For those who prefer Linux or are simply curious about Linux and other open source technologies, this is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to episode number 271 of Category 5 Technology TV for Tuesday, the 27th of November, 2012. Hey. How you doing, Krista? Pretty good. How are you? Two weeks in a row. I know. It's too much Krista. Or just enough Krista to balance out the Robbie. It's like (laughs) Christmas. Kind of like that. Yeah. Mm, It's very cool. eh? I know. I liked it. How are you doing? Nice to see you. Nice to have everybody here. We see uh, mm-hmm. a lot of friendly folks in the chat room tonight saying hi before the show. Uh, we have an incredible show planned tonight. We've got a lot we going ever. on. Hoo-wee! We are going to be looking at some brand new hardware from Thermal Takes, TT Esports, the product line that uh, they've developed some of the stuff alongside of BMW. Ooh. So you know it's sleek, you know it's high quality cool. stuff. Stick around. We're going to be looking at some of that in just a little bit. Uh, also, we've got your viewer questions. We've got uh, some websites that I want to go through later on in the show as well uh, as we gear up toward uh, toward the Christmas season. We've cool. got just a whole bunch of stuff to show you. And so I'm really excited about some of the things that we're going to be going over tonight. Mm-hmm. We have a lot going on tonight. Mm-hmm. Wowza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hold on to your socks. Well, would you like to hear what's coming up in the news? To, to add to that long list of stuff, there's more awesomeness coming up. How can there possibly be oh, more? There just can. It just happens. So, coming up in the newsroom, folks, the crowdfunding website Kickstarter is being sued for its promotion of a new 3D printer. Pakistan uh, Pakistan domain name hack took out nearly 300 sites, including Google, Apple, eBay, and Yahoo. Ooh. A bug in an electronic hotel door uh, locks has, sorry, a bug in electronic hotel door locks, there we go, has been exploited <laughs> and is being used to steal from hotel guests. Ooh. Mm. Minecraft is being used to aid UN regeneration projects. Hmm. Nintendo suddenly pulled a Wii Mini from up its sleeves and it hits Canadian shelves in time for Christmas. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Another new Wii? Mm-hmm. Stick around. Sweet. These stories are coming up later in the show, folks. Awesome. Hey, get your viewer questions in. All you have to do is email us live at category5.tv. And, of course, join us in the chat room. Love to see you there. Uh, let's, let's say hi to some of the people in the chat room. How are you? Ooh, there's so many of yous. Raven Lords, Raffer, Nua, Mike55, Maxwell6307, not FRE. Where's everybody viewing from tonight? Carly, nice to see you. Jot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see Red One as well. I feel like I'm, I'm looking into the magic mirror. 
I know. Sometimes when I look at this <laughs> chat room, I see Jot and Carly and Not Free and Raffer and R.D. Blair. Does it always happen with that accent? It does. In my head. Okay. It doesn't I don't think that's actually out. how the show was, though. I don't think no. she, I don't think she had an accent. I don't think she no, did. No. But I, just... I could do the accent better than I could sound like a woman. Oh. <laughs> Have you tried? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear me. <laughs> hey, all right. You've got a mobile device. So pull up our mobile site. It is m.cat5.tv. Check out that website. Scan that QR code to bring it up. M.cat5.tv is going to give you access to our show uh, right there on your mobile device. Also works on tablets. Mm-hmm. So fantastic way to catch the show. If you've got a you know like a ten inch tablet or something, it's a great way to watch the show. Absolutely. M.cat5.tv. And also uh, because I'm the jerk that always forgets to do this. Always. Oh. Um, you know, Category 5.TV is a member of the Tech Podcast Network, if it's tech, it's here, and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. We'd love to receive your postcards. You can send those in to us, Category 5 Technology TV at Postal Box 29009, Barrie, Ontario, Canada, L4N7W7. Uh, it would be uh, fantastic to receive some, you know, if you mm-hmm. want to send a, a note or a Christmas card or a postcard or anything like that. Uh, our postcard board is looking pretty full, but we've got a little bit of space oh, left. Oh, there's tons of room. And we're perfectly willing to put in a second board. Expand the wall. Mm-hmm. We, Just for you It's going to be cork board. The whole wall is going to be cork board, cork board before the end of the year. You watch. Cool. So send it in. We love to receive those. We've got to take a quick break before we take a look at the, the uh, new hardware from Thermaltake. I'm purposefully being evasive so that you'll be excited about this, but I'm really excited about this stuff. Uh, so stick around. We're going to be right back after this. At EcoAlkalines, we believe you should be able to trust your batteries not just here, but here, here, and here. But with one exception, you should also be able to trust your batteries here. EcoAlkalines are the world's first and only certified carbon-neutral battery manufactured to the highest standards of recycling and quality, without any trace amounts of harmful chemicals like mercury, lead, or cadmium. EcoAlkalines provide performance that rivals leading national alkaline battery brands at a comparable price. Find out more about the EcoAlkalines difference. EcoAlkalines.com This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. I'm Krista Wells. Krista, are you ready to check this out? I don't know. It seems like too awesome for me to be ready We're for this. We are headbanging just before this. Well, uh, Robbie was headbanging. I was kind of doing one of these going... Hmm. Uh, I think you were kind of getting into it. This is the Level 10 M Gaming Mouse from TT Esports, uh, which is a, uh, a brand from Thermaltake. And they mm-hmm. are just building some amazing stuff. We love the, the Level 10 line of product from Thermaltake. Level 10, basically, it, ta- it is specifically hardware that is 
attractive to look at. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous stuff. It's high end. It's really good quality. And it's everything that you would expect from Thermaltake with regards to being uh, modular and and really working well uh, with any kind of environment. They're really putting a spin toward Mm -hmm. the gamer. But of course, that that doesn't have to be the gamer. I mean, you get a high-resolution right. mouse, and you, as a graphic designer, will be in heaven. Yeah, because no kidding. E- yeah. Even though you're not doing gaming, it's still going to work yeah. really well. This particular mouse, I mean, we're going to try to go through as much as we can with this. You've never seen anything like this, I guarantee you, because it's never existed. It was designed... Let's let's start unboxing this. Yes, oh, unwrap it. Oh, yeah. Let's this this party started. Level 10 M gaming mouse was designed in partnership with BMW... Uh, wow. The people who do graphic, it's design works. That's which insane. Is a, yeah. Design works from BMW uh, helped to put this together and give that a little feel. Wow. It is all look at this. aluminum. It's all moving and stuff. Yep. All right, let's get this out of here. Even look at the packaging. You know it's got to be good because the packaging's good. They do a good job with, with every little detail, thermal take and uh, design works as well. We're going to take a look at that. Cool. First of all, Thermaltake, always thinking of you. You're going to be taking this to your, your land parties. There's a nice little pouch to put it in, carry it in safely. A key that will allow you to Ooh. adjust the mouse. We're going to look Very at that. Very cool. And manual and photos mm-hmm. and things like that. All right, let's check it out. It looks like a tiny little robot. It kind of is, eh? It's it's not that small, though. It, it's It's a fairly... It's fairly heavy. Yeah, no, it's a good It's a mouse small size, robot. For sure, yeah. But yeah, a large well, mouse. Yeah, that's what, that's right. what I'm saying. This, this mouse, okay, so it has 11 programmable keys. Krista can, can see this possibly wow. better than you can at home. I'm going to try to get a close-up for you so that you can get a little bit of a better look. So not only do we have the standard mouse buttons, the scroll wheel, and it's clickable as a middle mouse button, but on the side, this is a multi-angled button. One, two, three, four, five. A button here, button here, buttons over here. Everything. Wow. Is entirely programmable. It's got all the bells and whistles. Yeah. Feel that. Cool. It's it's neat. I mean, the way that Thermaltake and uh, wow. and DesignWorks have have developed this particular mouse. It's crazy. When when I mean, we're not really gamers. I mean, we'll pretend we are. Yeah, <laughs> gaming, awesome. But, I mean, we do a lot of design work. Exactly. So you find that the when you're using a mouse for a long time, gamers, you're, it's not just you, but gamers know, we know as designers, that a mouse can can start to feel a little bit sweaty and, yeah. and, and kind of, it's just uncomfortable. Yeah, you don't like to admit it, but it, it for happens. A few hours. <laughs> it's true. The, the Level 10, this Level 10 uh, M mouse uh, actually has... Not, not only it doesn't have ventilation, mm-hmm. you can see this. I don't know if you can see this at home. This is ventilated and wide open for airflow. But also because it's an aluminum body, uh, you know, aluminum is used for heat sinks. And so it actually kind of absorbs and, and draws mm-hmm. the heat away from your hand. And it's it, it does cool. feel, after extended use, it feels a lot better. You're not mm-hmm. feeling as sweaty when you're, when you're using the mouse. And it sounds gross, but it's true. I mean, you're going to sweat if you're using it. Um, there's so many cool features about this. Uh, we're going to actually, I'm going to get Krista to plug it in for the first time. What? Yeah. There's a USB port on the side of your computer there. I assumed. Let's see what happens here. It's right. got a little cap on it. Hold on. What's kind of awesome about this? Okay, you know this about DPI. This is Oh, yeah. It's, it's it really is well designed, right? You're going to be taking this 
take it to your land parties, right? And it, it actually scared, has a really good quality. I'm scared. Cap on. Um, I might break it. Just That's pull. why you're I'm not going to break the, it on it. You're not going to break that. She's working I on it. I haven't been working out for a while. Okay. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Sides on the side. Krista, this ah, mouse. Sorry, I'm used to the Mac. It's 8,200 DPI. What? 8,200 DPI. No. And it's user selectable down to 800 DPI. Default is 5,000. So you imagine how... Oh, that was neat. Something came up on the screen. Mm-hmm, that was loading. To, um, so it looks like the mouse is detected now. So if I switch over to Krista's screen... And you can see I can actually toggle from the mouse the DPI of, of the mouse itself. So this is just this toggle switch on the side. Wow, super yeah. easy. Mm-hmm. Give that a feel. See what you think of that. Now what if I click something and it does something so <laughs> high tech I don't know well, how to fix it. I set you to 800 it. DPI so that it wouldn't be too crazy. Um, what's awesome about this as well, it does have illumination. If you can see that at home. Can you see... That camera purple, may not be the Purple rest. glowing. It's currently gl- glowing purple. Where are we? There you go. Under you these see? lights, it's not quite as visible, but... It's cool. It is very, very cool. But what I'm going to get you to do is bring ah. up, on your on your start menu, bring up the Thermal Take TTE well, Sports it's Driver super software. sensitive. Hold on. I think you set it to a high resolution. So oh, what we do well. in that case... Yeah, you did. It's, it's, there's too, too many cool things going on on this. You, Once you definitely learn, need to read the manual. I'm going to teach Krista how this works here. I'm really excited. See, you've actually so got cool. it set to 5,000 DPI here. Ah. If I flip the switch on the side, watch the red l- indicator. That's an actual DPI indicator. So that you know that you're operating in a lower resolution now. Okay. So it's a little less sensitive. So try that. Cool. All right. Is that better? Yes. We are good now. Okay. So bring up that driver. Ooh, look at that. And there you go. So up at the top, you can see that you can actually create and select profiles. And as you select your profile, Krista, what happens to the buttons on the mouse? What happens to Yeah, the look mouse? at the buttons on the mouse there. I don't know. I don't know what happens. Oh, it's, that's changing colors and stuff. Yeah. What? So it's like a vibrant blue now. and Oh, and then it goes yellow. Oh, it's white. So you think cool. that that's a gimmick, but really, if you're, if you're gaming or if you're using particular pieces of software, now the mouse is able to memorize five different games directly in the built-in memory on the mouse. And when you select the profile, it's actually helpful to have this right. specific Right, so you know color. exactly so you know, which one just looking at the color. Yeah, if I'm yeah. using this application, it's red. Or if I'm using this application, it's blue. So I know which profile I'm looking at just by glancing down at the mouse and, cool. and seeing the color. There's also a battle mode, which is kind of fun. If you're doing a death match or something and you're shoot, 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 and the lights actually respond to oh, cool. your, your mouse <laughs> usage. So that's kind of fun, too. Um, it's incredible. You can check it out at cat5.tv slash mouse. One of the things that I was thinking about when I saw this, it is, it is a rather large looking mouse. When I first Mm -hmm. pulled it out of the box, I thought that looked to me as though it would be uncomfortable for my hand because I'm used to not. It feels just natural. This is an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm used to, you know, the small, much smaller mouse. Mm -hmm. This is just a standard Logitech wheel mouse. And you can see that it's substantially smaller. But when you get your hand on there, the, right. the actual design so of it is is so good that it it feels mm-hmm. natural. It feels like any any sized hand could could use mm-hmm. it comfortably. It's a bit heavier. It's uh, uh, I actually wrote it down as 185 grams, just to give you an idea. But it's metal. This mouse is actually metal. So cool. It's not going to break or anything mm-hmm. like and that. And the buttons on the side are all um, they're they're really well placed, so it would be really mm-hmm. easy to select them when you need to. As a to. right-handed person, they're mm-hmm. they're easy to access now. Because of the symmetry of the mouse, 
you can look, and this is one of the things that I was thinking about, is what happens if you're left-handed. The design is pretty symmetrical other than the side buttons. So mm -hmm. as a, if you were a lefty, you can feel on the left hand, it feels just as comfortable. The only problem that you run into as a left-handed person is that this particular five-way toggle switch, uh, that button is not as easily accessible. Mm -hmm. But it is, you can probably work your way to you use your pinky or use your other hand just for that particular thing. Usually that's going to be used for your changing your DPI anyway. So I think mm -hmm. as a lefty, it, it actually kind of gets that button out of the way. So that right. where Krista there accidentally bumped it up to 5,000 DPI, you're not going to do that as a lefty. So it, it may actually be a, a plus to, you know, to just, you know, switch. Mm -hmm. These are available. This is the Level 10M gaming mouse from TTE Sports. They're available now. I've seen them on Amazon all, all over the world. They're usually uh, under $100, but because Christmas season is coming, you're probably mm -hmm. going to find some deals there. I see they're about $20 discounted on Amazon right now, so just to give you one, one source. But uh, you, can, you can do a search for uh, the Level 10M Gaming Mouse, or uh, just visit our, our website, Category5.tv. Check out the show notes for episode number 271. We're going to have some links for you. Uh, definitely get this on your Christmas list, and... Phew, if you are a gamer, this is this is a no-brainer. If you're a graphic designer, then certainly I, I think the same thing. And like I say, it it feels pretty comfortable. Mm -hmm. No, it really does. Yeah, Can it's I let really you use nice. that for for some of the show tonight? And oh, I guess I'll put so, my pen away for. <laughs> so just be mindful. This the Z button here. Okay. Is your DPI up and down? So if it starts to act, I mean, you can always Funny. nudge me. But there okay. you go. That's that's really the only thing that you need to know. Beautiful. Otherwise, it's, it's a regular mouse. Yes. Uh, I had mentioned that cool. it is adjustable, which is. I mean, they think of everything. If your hand is a different size or shape, there it comes with a key, and there is the ability to raise and lower the mouse itself, so you're actually changing the, the shape of the body, and then you can actually pivot it as well, left and right, with the, oh, with the little you know, just screw holes right here. So mm -hmm. it's all really well planned, really well designed, and, and very solid uh, mouse there. So that's the Level 10 uh, M Gaming Mouse from Thermaltake. Cool. I'm going to give you a little tip. Uh, we are actually going to be giving away one of these uh, as part of our Christmas uh, giveaways this year. Um, wow. So make sure you're Lucky. watching the show every week. We're going to be dropping you hints on how you can win. Um, that's, uh, that's an incredible uh, prize for any, anybody's desk. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you'll, you'll look forward to that. But certainly check it Tune out. In. Yep. All right. Neat, neat. Yeah, how's well. that? Oh, this is just too cool. It's awesome. And it's a laser mouse, too. Mm -hmm. Not optical, right? Like, you look at the bottom of that, there's no mm -hmm. there's no red light or anything like that. It's it's going to work on any surface. It's, it's wor working on this wood grain as well. Yeah. Actually, I didn't even think about that because I haven't had a mouse pad for so long. But, yeah, you don't yeah. need one. When you're using a tablet, it's it's a little different because the tablet becomes your mouse pad. But with this, yeah. you can just use anything. So Cool. Even just on the on the table. That's up to very, 82, very cool, folks. 8200 dpi it's crazy crazy mm -hmm. well yeah you have your thinking cap on absolutely okay. don't don't forget cat5.tv slash mouse all right check that out let's see if we can come up with some stumper of some questions oh, today good you're planning this out get your questions in live at category5.tv all right, here is one from TOB33. Says, awesome. Hi, Robbie and Krista. There is something that's really bothering me. <laughs> Leet speak. 
my hard drive has not died yet. <laughs> that shouldn't bother you. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, all fixed. Yeah, good. Um, and there were things I left out when I told you about it five months ago. It was given to me by a friend, and it's four years old roughly. When it clicks, it only does one faint click every few hours, and it was running Windows 7 a few weeks ago, and it uh, BSOD on me. Blue screen of death. Ah. When Ooh. Windows goes all... Windows. Funky and you have to reboot, yeah. <laughs> Has a name and everything. Yes. Mm. Looking into it, I noticed Ubuntu was crashing, but then I realized that my two gigabyte RAM stick was dying. Since then, I have not had a blue screen of death, nor crash, but HD still does that faint click every few hours. Also, oh. when I load something, I can hear the motor spin. It's really loud. Does this mean my hard drive is dying or is just old? I will never trust it with the data because I don't have a backup drive big enough to do a backup. Mm. I've formatted this hard drive so many times and still not dead. <laughs> Sorry for another crazy question. It, it could be so many different things there, Toby. I wouldn't trust a drive, obviously, that's head slapping. That's what that is. The, the drive, pi picture in your mind uh, an old LP record, right? Like a, a record player and the needle that goes across. And when you reach the end of the record, it slaps and boom, 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 right? That's kind of what's happening to your hard drive there. It's a, it's a magnetic surface. You've got this head that's moving, around that, uh, that's moving on that surface as this, the, the surface itself moves uh, in, in circular motion. And when it's slapping like that, when, it's, when you're hearing that tinking sound, that's actually it hitting the spindle of the, uh, of the drive or the outside of the platter. That's not supposed to happen. So... It could be that uh, there's there's a lack of cohesion when the head is moving back and forth. It, it, there's a certain spot on the drive that's that's bad that it's skipping over and it's doing it so fast that it hits the the spindle. But it's not a good situation to have and it's not normal. Um, and it could mean that the drive is pending failure. W whether that means it's going to fail right now or not, whether it means you can trust it for another year or not, it's impossible to say. You just it's one of those situations where you know that it's not a good situation and so you don't trust it it's like if your car was you know you, you you have to change the oil so you go and you change the oil you don't just wait and hope that it doesn't explode on you it's just it's just common sense right so like people in the chat room uh, mike shaw tv is saying back up your hard drive tiktok is saying switch to an ssd but then at least he's got the warning that it's you right. know head slapping SSD will be either working one day and then failed the next, or you know it's it's a whole different ballgame. But um, yeah, I would uh, I wouldn't trust that at all, realistically. <laughs> Does that make sense to me? I saw in the chat room um, some viewers were asking uh, they just like a little bit more information about this Thermaltake, uh, the the Level 10M gaming mouse. Um, Pyrus Rock is asking about how you can change the, the DPI of the mouse itself. So right. if you could bring up the drivers, I'm actually just going to go back to that, which we don't normally do, but I want to I show you uh, how this works. Oh, where did it go? Where did it go? It'll be under all programs and under... Uh, all programs. Sorry, I'm not a... Uh, <laughs> she's not a Windows. TT Esports. TT... Where do On I go? On the left. Wait till she sees nothing. Nothing against the mouse. Yeah, go level 10M and then ah, there you go. Okay, I'll I'll grab this here. Okay, so on your profile, as you're as you're actually working within within the profile itself. Let's see here. We can go to profile management, and you can actually create, you know, your profiles all you want.
let's see here, for example, performance. We're talking about DPI. So here are your DPI levels, for example. Your double-click speed, cursor speed, scroll speed, and liftoff adjustment. You can also change the polling rate. You'll notice that it's defaulting to 1,000 hertz, which is incredible. Um, 500 hertz, 250 hertz, or 125 hertz. So it doesn't look like you can, oh, oh, isn't this interesting? Now we're looking at the screen. As we're looking at the screen, I'm thinking, mm -hmm. uh, Pyrus Rock, it doesn't look like you can modify X and Y DPI mm -hmm. separately of each other. But then I just happen to notice here up at the top, enable independent XY oh, sensitivity. You can. And look at that. There's my X. There's my Y. So to answer your question mm -hmm. then, Pyrus Rock, is that yes, this is absolutely independent if you want to use it that way. So that's, wow. that's an incredible feature to be able to set a higher DPI moving mm -hmm. up and down than left and right, for example. That's really cool. Um, in a, in, I'm thinking about third-person uh, third shooters and things like that where you want to be able to spin around real fast, but you want to be able to look up and down a little right. bit slower, right? So th that would allow you to adjust that quite, quite well. Cool. So you can close out of that. I just wanted to answer that question and glad to see that, uh, you know, once again, Thermaltake has thought of it all. Well done. Kudos to Thermaltake. Cat5.tv slash mouse. So cool. So cool, guys. Here is a question from uh, Hong, Hong Jing. Um, Hey, says, hi, Robbie and co-host. My laptop has three partitions, SDA1, SDA5, and SDA6. My Ubuntu was installed in SDA1, and I installed Windows XP in the Oracle VirtualBox software. I put the Windows version, uh, sorry, I put the Windows virtual hard disk file, the VHD, in partition SDA5. Now, my question is, in that virtual system, how can I mount SDA5 and SDA6 as partitions in Windows instead of shared folders? And then he has a note here that says, in the Ubuntu system, I mounted SDA5 and SDA6 to the folders um, slash okay. mount slash D, you know. SDA1, SDA2, SDA5, FDA, SDA6, whatever, those are all, it's one hard drive, and he's partitioned it into many different pieces of the mm -hmm. pie. Okay. It's sounding to me there, uh, Hong Zhang, as if you are attempting to let the virtual machine access the raw hard drive so that you're not having to use a virtual hard drive. And the one thing that we need to remember as we're creating virtual machines is that a virtual machine uses virtual hardware. So a virtual hard drive is really a file on the physical hard drive that that virtual machine accesses. To set up actual access to the hard drive itself, the raw physical drive, is doable. You can do that with VirtualBox. It's just this extremely, extremely, I can't stress enough. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, it's very, very dangerous. Reason being, pardon me, <clears throat> just to really kind of make it simple for you, um, imagine that you have mounted SDA5 as an actual raw hard drive, so say the E drive on your Windows um, guest operating system, and then you mount that in your Linux system. Now you've got two operating systems that are accessing this drive as a raw hard drive. Neither one knows that the other one exists, and you're you're talking basically. I mean, you're lucky if you don't get instant instant data corruption, and that kind of scenario can happen very very easily in that sort of environment. So it's never really recommended. Now that said, 
I have a particular virtual environment, for example, where we have a RAID 5 unit that is the, the data drive or the storage drive of a Windows server OS that is a guest, and it accesses that RAID 5 as a raw, uh, a, a raw volume. So, so in that case, it, it's set up that way, and it's, it's very, very important that the administrator knows not to touch the, the, uh, the drive from within the Linux host. But it could happen. See, it's it could really happen if somebody stood in front of the system with root access and and started writing stuff to that hard drive. It could completely corrupt the Windows system. So you want to be really, really careful of that. I'll tell you, uh, it's outside of the scope of the show. It's not something that I could possibly teach you in the course of a one-hour show, let alone a five-hour show. Um, but it is in the VirtualBox manual, and I've done it before, and I use it but I don't recommend it unless you are very well versed at, um, at Linux and hardware and uh, hard drives and things like that. Very, very risky. Chapter 9 of the VirtualBox manual. Uh, let's just do a search. Control F for uh, raw drive, raw disk. There it is. So advanced storage configuration using a raw host hard disk from a guest. All right, look at the warning. Raw hard disk access is for expert users only, and they're serious about this. This isn't like a, you know, do you want to use the advanced installer on Windows or versus the, the wizard, right? This is, this is for real. You've got to be an expert at this. Incorrect use of or use of an outdated configuration can lead to total loss of data Ooh, on scary. the physical disk. Yeah, and they're, they're telling it like it is. Most importantly, do not attempt to boot the partition with the current running host operating system in a guest, this will lead to severe data corruption. So all that said, you can follow the instructions there to make it happen if you really mm -hmm. feel confident that you can do it. Uh, I would experiment with a test system before you go putting that on a production system and destroying everything because it can happen very, very easily. Um, the instructions are there. I won't go into how you do it because it's all there. Uh, and I'll post a link in the, uh, in <laughs> pardon me, in the chat room, but also in the show notes for episode number 271. Be careful if you're going to do that. Now, okay, so that said, you've got all these partitions. You've got space on the partitions. Why not just create a new fixed-sized volume for your virtual machine? What that means is that if you set up a 20-gigabyte virtual hard drive, it will create a 20-gigabyte file. So you never have to worry about it extending beyond the, the size, like growing beyond the size right. of the actual physical disk. And then it's something that, okay, now this hard drive is a single file. You can transfer that to a backup easily. Mm -hmm. And you've got a backup of that entire virtual hard drive. That's a better scenario. Plus, if it's a fixed disk, it means that uh, it's, 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 gonna be, uh, it's going to be within itself, at least. The disk itself is not going to be fragmented. Uh, the data within it, because it's a Windows guest, is going to fragment, but the right. the drive itself, the 20 gigs allocated, is not going to fragment. If you were using the raw hard drive, it's going to fragment the whole thing because Linux has no control over the file system. Right. So I hope that all makes sense. Again, links will be in the show notes, and I've already posted in the chat room there. Um, so I, I really hope that that helps. Thanks for the question, though, Hong Zhang. All right. Well, it seems like that time. Is that time already? I know. How did we get here so quickly? I don't know. You just talk lots and time just kind of goes, I mean, <laughs> when you're having fun. Got to fill an hour, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, here are the top stories from the Category 5.TV newsroom. 
more than 2,000 users contributed over $2.9 million, that's 1.8 million pounds, to help Massachusetts-based form labs build the device. However, 3D Systems, a leading maker of printers that turn computer design files into real-world objects, has alleged one of its patents was being infringed by the machine. It has also filed a lawsuit against Formlabs itself. The two defendants have yet to respond to the accusations. Although patent, patent lawsuits are relatively common in the U.S. tech industry, this marks the first time Kickstarter has been involved in a case linked to a product marked on its site. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of... You hear about <laughs> patent lawsuits all the time, but uh, with Kickstarter being really just a way to fund your yeah. project, it seems unreasonable that they would get sued. Yeah, exactly. I wonder where yeah. that will go. That would be like suing PayPal because somebody bought an illegal product from me. It doesn't make a whole lot of yeah. sense to me. Well, I guess we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, we'll out. see what, what comes <laughs> of that. Sure. Um, Google, Apple, eBay, and Yahoo were among 300 sites affected by a hack attack in Pakistan. The hack targeted sites that had Pakistani domain names such as .com, .pk, uh, sorry, .com.pk, .pk, or org.pk. Hackers exploited an apparent vulnerability in domain main domain main oh. <laughs> domain name systems, <laughs> redirecting visitors of popular sites to a different site. Hmm. The page featured a picture of two penguins walking across a bridge with the slogan "Pakistan Downed." The companies themselves were not breached, but it meant key services such as Google's Gmail were temporarily down. Ooh, that's kind of scary. That, that's really scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think about. Okay, so if they did the Pakistan downed, that's all fine and good. They need to fix that, like, Mm -hmm. immediately. This isn't a Google problem. This is like a registrar problem. Imagine if somebody could take over your .com and turn it into whatever they want. They are very, and they, as a blanket statement of the Pakistani people who are affected by this, are very, very fortunate that the users were not more malicious than this. What if they Mm -hmm. had taken... A, a pay a payment site, or Amazon, and made it mm-hmm. look like Amazon. Create a phishing site that now takes your right. credit card information and takes your Amazon login information. You look in the address bar. Yeah, I'm on Amazon. dot com. dot pk. But really, it's a phishing site directed directing to some other server. That is scary. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, and we're also lenient with that kind of thing nowadays. Like you, you look at something, you're like, yeah, it looks legit, looks like what I'm yeah. usually on, and you don't really think twice but about this it. But this literally, right? imagine if Google.com took you somewhere else, and then imagine if PayPal.com took you to something mm-hmm. that looked like PayPal.com. Yeah. And literally in your browser, it said PayPal.com. So yeah. you enter your username and password, and yeah, guess what? You just gave it to some hacker. Yeah. That's what could have so happened. Scary. I don't know if it does happen because obviously this is an exploit now that mm-hmm. hackers know about, but it's possible that it is happening already. That is very, very scary stuff. So be more careful. Yeah, that's um, frightening. Burglars seem to be exploiting a bug in widely used electronic door locks to steal from hotels. The bug was first publicized at a hacker conference in July, showing how a simple electronic device could unlock doors in seconds. A series of thefts from hotels in Texas are being traced to a burglar who unlocked doors with the same technique. Hmm. Insurance firms said they expected to be hit hard as knowledge of the hack spread among professional thieves. Hmm. It's strange that they would actually show something like that to um, a conference 
Like, well, hacker conferences do this kind well, of thing all the time, right? Or security conferences. Security conferences. I like guess. it's like me sitting down and saying, "Okay, well, what if I just gave someone, some hacker in Pakistan, an idea?" Right. Same sort of thing. We're we're just tossing around thoughts, and that kind of thing could come up. Somebody Jeez. finds an exploit and sits down and tells a whole room full of people about it, thinking, yeah, you know, maybe they're security experts and they're trying to create ways to say, to protect people. Somebody needs to talk about it, right? Hmm. It's kind of scary. <laughs> Everything's a, scary this a, tonight. This is a no good news news day, I guess. What's going on? I don't know. Breaking into hotel rooms, changing websites. You know, nothing's safe anymore. Give me something good. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. Okay. Let's see. Oh, development plans for 300 places around the world are being modeled in Minecraft so residents can help decide <laughs> how Seriously? the locations will change. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Called Block by Block, the program is part of a collaboration between Minecraft maker Mo- Mohang um, and UN Habitat. Urban locations hmm. will be recreated on computer using Minecraft, allowing residents to take a virtual <laughs> tour. Wow. They will also be able to change the model and help decide how regeneration cash should be spent. <laughs> My house looks blocky. <laughs> That's nice. That's pretty awesome. I like the people. Is it to scale? Look how realistic they are. I know. <laughs> that's Minecraft, baby. Is that good news? Is that Goodness good enough me. news for you? Uh, they could have used something like that's based on the Cry 2 engine or something instead. Something with photorealistic graphics, but no. No. Let's take a whole bunch of squares and pile them on top of each other and say, this is what your new house is going to look like. It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> is that a tree? I think or a, that, that or a shrub? may actually be a Oh, yeah, far left is yeah. some form of a shrub. I see that uh, he, he's done some nice tile work mm-hmm. to his place and some kind of a <laughs> sign up front. Oh, hmm. That's so nice. Yeah. Try it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Nintendo is to launch a pared-down version of its Wii console in time for Christmas, although it will only be available in Canada. Yes. So, yeah, since I when mean, does that yes happen? For us. <laughs> the launch of the Wii Sorry, Mini, UK. pictures of which were published on its website today, have been widely, widely anticipated in the technology press. The console will go on sale on December 7th for just $100. The Wii Mini will have no intent, or sorry, no internet capabilities and is designed to play only Wii games, meaning the, there will be no compatibility with earlier GameCube games. It is, mm. as the name suggests, smaller than the original Wii and comes in black with a red border. It is unclear when the device will be available in other countries or why it is being launched exclusively in Canada at this time. That sounds cool and it looks like they've kind of jazzed up the device, but yeah, I got my first gen Wii for 99 bucks. <laughs> it has internet. And which, it's the full size. It's full size, buddy. <laughs> which is still tiny. I mean, it's a little brick, yeah. right? But... Um, the the thing that strikes me about that, if there's no internet, that means no Netflix. Right. And so that, it's strictly me, a gaming console. Strictly gaming and strictly Wii gaming. Yeah. But it's the same price as what I paid for my first gen Wii, which has right. the gaming uh, plus way more backward compatibility to GameCube, mm-hmm. which we use. I got onto Kijiji, which is a local um, classified mm-hmm. system, and somebody was selling a whole bunch of old GameCube games. 
And so I was like, okay. And he was I like, woohoo, like, payday. I gave him like 20 bucks and, and got like 15 games and, and a couple controllers. So now, you know, I can play those on the $99 Wii that I got because it's yeah. compatible with GameCube. So they're saying this one doesn't do that. Hmm. hmm. It seems kind of backwards as far they're, as technology goes. They're trying it's to go like, like the Apple route of giving you less but charging you more. Not that Apple would do such a thing. No. <laughs> What are they at the don't, don't fourth, talk bad about fourth Gen iPad now? And I don't know. It finally has has a, a mini version now. Camera. Mini. Mini. Hmm, which is kind of like the tablet that everyone else has created. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this isn't this isn't Mac bashing time. No, but that's kind of shocking <laughs> a little bit. But I never heard anything about this Nintendo Wii Mini. Mm-hmm. Even here no, in Canada, I hadn't either. Where it's being launched. Yeah, like, the only place, which is really odd too, because usually things aren't launched in Canada first. Yeah, but they've been hyping the Wii U mm-hmm. like crazy. It's everywhere, and the posters everywhere. Coming November, whatever, eleventh or something. It's it's they've been pushing that, and then all of a sudden to mm-hmm. say, oh, by the way, here's another product in time for Christmas. It's 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 interesting because I think they'll get those people who possibly can't spend the money on a Wii U. Mm-hmm. And the kids want a Wii, mm-hmm. but it could backfire too because then there's going to be a certain level of disappointment for the for the people who wanted a Wii U and ended right. up with a Wii. But it's got it the no red border on it. It's a red border, but no internet. Ooh, cool. No Netflix, and that to me you is don't what need Wii internet when you have a red border. Ooh. It was one or the other. <laughs> we can't put both in this device. You can we just can't. access your internet on your iPad Mini. Yes. Hmm. Good. We've got it all worked out for you. We got it figured mm-hmm. out, folks. <laughs> oh, get the full stories at category5.tv slash newsroom. The category5.tv newsroom is brought or is researched by Roy W. Nash with contributions from our community of viewers. If you have a news story that you think is worthy of on-air mention, just email us at newsroom at category5.tv from the category5.tv newsroom. I'm Krista Wells. Thanks, Krista. Now, if you have any device other than the Wii Mini... Netflix is a great service to have, and we will give it to you free for an entire month. One whole month. And you don't have to keep it if you don't want it, but you will. It's eight bucks a month afterwards, uh, but you can cancel at any point with no obligations. Uh, Cat5.tv slash Netflix to sign up for a one-month free trial. Check it out. Also, Category 5 Technology TV is brought to you in part by Quartery Electrical Contracting, Inc., you can find out more about them at quarteryelectric.com. And certainly if you're in Ontario, make sure you give them a call with all of your electrical needs. Uh, they've been just exceptional to us here at the mm-hmm. show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. If you're new here, make sure you say hello in the chat room or pop us an email live at category5.tv just to tell us where you're watching from and uh, what you think of the show. And if you have a question, that's really what we're here for. We love to answer your questions and do our best to uh, to help you out with uh, any of your tech needs. Um, our viewer base tends to be largely Linux-centric, uh, mm-hmm. um, but we are here to you know try to help you with anything that surrounds tech. That's what we're here for. So. Cool. We got it all. Well, you have some time for more some more questions? Would love Question to. Question ruse? Yeah. All right, here is a question from uh, Raven Lords. Hey, Raven Lords. Uh, hello, everyone. At Category 5, I was just wanting to see if you can help me to set up a DNS server on my VirtualBox Ubuntu system, or server, sorry, 12.04 LTS, 
and set a domain name that I just got from GoDaddy.com. I'm not sure how to set it up. I really could use the help. Hmm. Raven Lords, could I ask you some questions instead of... I'll like answer we can, your question with a question. I will question. answer your question with a question. <laughs> well... I mean, there's there's certain things. Why are you setting it up yourself? That would be the first question because hmm. you know that we have a special deal through one of our partners. If you're a registered viewer on the show, you can go to the coupon section at Category5.tv. I think it's it's like $70. You get a free domain name and you get hosting for the year and you can host as many websites as you want and it comes with email and everything. Mm-hmm. So it saves you having to be a, a server administrator. Now... Because you're having trouble setting up DNS on Ubuntu, the, one of the questions that I would ask you to answer your question with a question. You're using a virtual machine. Okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there there are certain things about that. If you're running a virtual machine, do you have a, a host server that will be on all the time? That would be the big question. Because if you turn it off or if you shut it down or if the computer is down for some reason, um, then you're going to lose access to your website, and that becomes a whole other problem. Um, if you're using Ubuntu server, um, then you you could install Bind Nine and get your DNS server up and running fairly easily. Uh, you could you could even just install Apache, for example. Apache um, is a web server application. Install the PHP five package in uh, Synaptic or through apt-get if you're just using the the terminal and no GUI. Uh, PHP five. Install that, and that will give you Apache PHP. Um, all the different fixings that you need to get up and running with a server. Um, and, and you can actually set up virtual hosts so that you would just point GoDaddy and your, your registrar, whoever your registrar is, just point them to your IP address, which has to be static. Otherwise, when your IP address changes, your website goes down again. So, uh, but what I would recommend that you try, and I know that you, 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 know, you want to exp- set up a server, and that's fine and dandy, uh, but there are really easy ways to set up a server um, without having to go the route of installing, deploying the operating system and then trying to figure out, okay, do I need the PHP 5 package? Do I need the Bind 9 package to get DNS support? Do I need, uh, how do I set that up now that I've installed it? How do I get it configured? Okay, now I've got a second domain. How do I set that up? It it can be pretty complicated. So one of the applications or, or the appliances that we've looked at in the past is called Turnkey Linux. So I'd wonder, Raven Lords, if that's an option for you. Um, it's something that Eric and I actually looked at on the show. I'm just going to do a quick search uh, through our website just to see if I can track down that episode for you. Turnkey Lamp. I'll do a search for. Uh, episode number 169. Oh, and it looks like there's a problem with the file. Oh, there it is. Okay. So the turnkey LAMP stack is freely available. It is based on now Debian Linux, which is what Ubuntu is based on. Uh, But it comes with a a really nice front end so that you can actually log in through your browser, configure your domains, configure your email and everything from a Mm -hmm. GUI using your web browser on another computer. It's a brilliant way to set up a server on the fly, make it really, really easy. The whole concept of turnkey is to make it really, really simple to deploy, really, really fast to deploy. So everything is included with that. Um, Go to turnkeylinux.org, and on that website, 
probably on the front page. Yeah, the first one there is called the LAMP stack. That is Linux, Apache, MySQL, and PHP. So everything comes out of the box all pre-configured for you, Raven Lords. That's one option. But to answer your question strictly um, is to probably just install the BIN9 package and, and get that configured, which we could do, you know, we could. that's a little complex. I, I hate to say that, but it is complex and time-consuming for uh, for a show. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how we could do that. I think possibly if I put some links for you in the show notes or, or simply encourage you to, to get into a search engine and do a search for... Uh, Ubuntu DNS server installation, perhaps. How to set up a DNS server with bind. There you go. Right on Ubuntu forums. It's the first result that came up. So, yeah. See, they're walking you through. There's installing bind 9, configuring your bind files. And looks, I mean, just at first glance here, that looks fairly thorough. And because it's the forum at ubuntuforums.org, you've got the feedback from other users as well saying, okay, yeah, I did this, now try this and do that. It's a good way to do it. And you can reply back in that thread and work together with those people. You can see, though, that that's... You can see looking back at the first post there, it is it is involved. This is why I say, you know, I, I hate to say it, but it's not something that I can really show you on the show. Um, it is quite involved and it's quite specific to your setup. Uh, like what you're doing with your domain and how you're how you're pointing it to yourself and all that stuff. I tend to think though, I mean if you're just starting up and you're just getting your web hosting set up so that you're hosting yourself that it's a complex way to do it. You might just think about setting up just a, a lamp stack and get it get it up and running rather than trying to build a server from the ground up or go with something that's a hosted solution like what we have available for you in the coupon section which you know, I think is a great mm-hmm. way to go as well. Sure. Thank you very much for the question. I hope that, uh, you know, I always hope that I'm able to point you in the direction of, of what uh, what's going to help you. What I'm going to do for you, Raven Lords, I'm just going to post the uh, the link that I just brought up on the show. just going to post that in the chat room for you. So that's there. And uh, you can just click on that, and that will that will take you to, to that thread as well. So hopefully that will help you. But it's bind 9 is what you need to get the DNS going on, on your Ubuntu system. And that goes Good. for Debian or whatever you're running. Thanks very much for the question. Hope that helps. All right, let's see. Do you have any more? Oh, I've got more plenty. questions coming in. Plenty live of live at category5.tv. I love your questions. Thank you, thank you. Here is a question from Robert Gorsinski. Robert. Hey, says, Hi, Robbie and Krista. I have a new PC which I'm going to use as a media server okay. and I'm not sure what OS to use. Uh, free, FreeNAS, FreeNAS, FreeNAS uh, Unraid, yeah. Unraid, OpenFiler, OpenMedia Vault, or Ubuntu Server. What have the viewers <coughs> used as a media server and what has been the experience with what they have mm. used? The server is going to replace an off-the-shelf unit which is very slow. It took 27 hours to back up 2 terabytes of data to an external USB 3 hard drive on all gigabyte or yeah, gigabit network, sorry. Should I set up the RAID using NTFS, Z, uh, ZFS, X4, etc.? cetera? Uh, I'm going to be watching and listening to the media through a boxy box and, th- and through a PC. May also watch it through my Android tablet. All and at the same he, time? He has his uh, specs oh. for the, the machine here. Oh, okay, so it's an Asus P8H77 mini ITX motherboard. 
six serial ATA controller headers, I would assume, not controllers. Uh, Core i5-3470, I uh, which is 3.2 gigahertz, which at first glance makes me think that's really overkill for a, a media server. Uh, 8 gigs of RAM, DDR3, and a mini ITX case. Way, way, way overkill for a file server, to be strict, mm. honest with you. But if you've already got it, then no big deal. The i5 is reasonably good uh, as far as power um, you know, efficiency goes. Uh, I like to look at you know, efficiency. You didn't mention your power supply. I would get an efficient power supply, something that's going to do a good job for you. Uh, and be environmentally friendly because it's going to be running all the time kind of thing. Um, I I mean, it depends on what you're doing. You say you want to use it as a media server. You want to use it to be able to back up stuff too, I'd assume from the other comment in your, in your post about backing up to the old system. Uh, and you want it to be reasonably fast. Now, FreeNAS, the advantage there is that it is really, it's, it's a, a real Linux installation where you can you can SSH into it and install stuff, and it's easy breezy, and it, it'll it'll go pretty good. So the advantage there is that you can install, for example, uh, PS3 media server, so that uh, so that it's actually able to stream directly to a PlayStation 3, or you can do the same sort of thing with an Xbox, uh, with uh, with Apple devices that's supported as well. Not not necessarily specifically in FreeNAS, but if you know what you're doing and you know what to install, you can do that. Unraid is the one that I fell in love with, and there's a couple of reasons for that. First reason uh, is that it is very, very easy to set up, very, very easy to configure. But the big thing is that it can use any old hardware. FreeNAS, uh, unless you're using ZFS uh, and you can and you know your way around setting up a, a dynamic volume and, and whatever else you need to do. With Unraid, I can put in any hard drive and I can grow my array at any time on the fly. So if I start with the two, uh, let's say I've got three two terabyte hard drives in there, great. So I've got one for parity, which is redundancy, so that if a hard drive fails, I, I don't lose any data, and then two for data. So I've got four terabytes of workable space, and two terabytes is parity. So then if I decide, okay, well, I want to actually expand the array, so I, I take out the parity drive, uh, well, let's say I take out one of the data drives would be the best bet. Take out the first data drive and put in a three terabyte drive. So now, Parity rebuilds the three terabyte drive with the data from the old two terabyte that I pulled out, and now I've got two two terabyte drives and one three terabyte drive, which you can't normally do in a RAID environment because they all have to match. And now it's expanded me to five terabytes because I've got a three and a two. Oh no, because the three has to be Parity. But uh, just uh, just to give you an idea, uh, and I'll give you the unraid capacity calculator that I developed that figures all that out for you. The biggest drive has to be parity, so it's my mistake. But essentially, the, it is true. I mean, you can add drives and you can expand drives. I've had it happen because when I started my array, I put in a couple of 500 gig hard drives. So there's a good example where I've, because I've got a two terabyte parity drive, I can take out that 500 gig drive on the fly, put in a, a two terabyte hard drive, and it now increases my capacity on that unraid storage device by 1.5 terabytes just like that i lose no data off of the 500 gig drive i can recycle it or use it in the system or something and and everything is normal on the array uh, that's really cool that it can be done with all different size drives um, it works really well 
But it, I guess it depends on what you want to stream. I mean, I use it for media. I, I have an iOS box. You'll find out more if you if you go to cap5.tv slash pivos, which is P-I-V-O-S. Um, you can check out the iOS, which is a device that we've reviewed on the show. Connects to the TV and uses Samba to access files on your network, which is fantastic. Unraid keeps up to it. I stream HD video files directly to it over gigabit uh, Ethernet. Actually, I think I do it over Wi-Fi now, and it works just as well. Um, so I like the Unraid as far as how it works. Good guy wants to know if it offers encryption. It is Samba based, so it is it's basically Windows file sharing. It's user level access. You can set up a user um, account that you know that user has to be logged into the Unraid server to uh, to be able to access the shares, right? Just like a Windows share. So um, as far as the security goes, it's not it's not built to be an outside accessible system like something that you would but it, it would generally be behind a firewall. It's Slackware, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, if you're a Linux user, it's fairly easy to install things on it and everything like that. Um, but it, uh, it is a little different than FreeNAS in that it's not, it doesn't feel like a Linux installation. It's not something that you would really SSH into and install things in. Um, it has Telenet access, and you can install things that you know, are prepackaged for Unraid. But if you try to install some Slackware packages, you might break it. So always best to use some of the things that are available directly for that for that system. But I'll post some more information about Unraid. Um, and, and I guess it's, it's really your choice. But I think Unraid would do really, really well for you. And here's another kicker. Um, you can get it free if you have three or less drives. So you can always try it. I'll post the links in the show notes for episode number 271. And... Uh, Hopefully that'll, hopefully that'll point you in a direction. Anyway, give it a try. Unraid is very, very easy to set up. Cool. Cool. <laughs> just about out of time, if you can believe. Just a couple of minutes left. Um, I wanted to show you something really interesting. Uh, I mean, just I love websites that do things. I'm always on the hunt for websites that. <laughs> save me time or yeah. give me a tool that I can use. You've seen me, I've used CSS color pickers and stuff yeah. and create, you know, uh, just really easy ways to, to create gradients and things. Um, we've done that with the, with the web developer toolkit, which is cat5.tv slash webdev. One of the tools that I was looking at that I, I really thought was brilliant because I'm always looking for a timer. I have my iPod touch and I'm always mm -hmm. using the timer on that, which is fine, but it, it is what it is. It's got you've got to have your iPod Touch on, and right. if you have one, you know that the battery doesn't last very well. And usually, by the time I get home from work, it's already dead, and it's sitting up on the charger in the bedroom. So kind of useless that way. So there is a particular website. Just simply egg timer, but throw uh, throw a dot just before the uh, the first G. The G. I'll show you here how it looks. Egg timer.com so just write in the word egg timer and put an e there and i just think it's a fantastic idea i think it's a you know it's easily accessible and it's it's good for you so start your timer use regular english and just say okay i want to do 35 minutes 20 seconds whatever your timer is and then hit go and it's actually going to count down just like that it's going to set an alert for you so that it automatically you know throws up an alert when it's time 
Good, good. So what can that be used cool. for? Of course, I mean, if I'm making eggs, I can set it for five minutes. Big deal, right? Uh, there is also, you know, like Pomodoro, um, 25 minutes on, five minutes rest, 25 minutes right. on. So you can actually go specifically to to that, and it will just run in the background. Oh. You can minimize your browser, and, you know, you're sitting at work, and 25 minutes later, it tells you, okay, stand up, walk around. That's great. I need You have to that. keep resetting it. It just does it for you. It does it for you. So mm. it gives you five more minutes, and then buzzes you back to work, and you're back to work for another cool. 25 minutes. So. Um, I think that's great. What's neat about this, though, is you'll see as I create a timer, so there's my 35 minutes, 20 seconds that I've entered in just in regular text, just like I would tell you, oh, it's got to be 35 minutes and 20 seconds. So, okay, go. And you'll see that it starts the timer, but it also gives you a bookmarkable, if that's a word, link. Oh, so you don't have to reset it next time. You can so just. If you're doing a recurring task yeah. that always takes 35 minutes and 20 seconds, you can just bookmark that. Or you can just go to e.gtimer.com <laughs> and just enter right on the on the address bar five minutes and it's automatically going to start at five minutes for you from the address bar so in that way you know you could hey we're we're all web developers here so why not set up a timer that cool. you know is based on my own application and just launches egg timer and and sets the time and goes from there speaking of time that is all the time that we have what what? How does this happen? It doesn't even feel like a full hour. Are you I know. sure? How do you like how do you like the level ten? It's 10M? awesome. I love it. Oh, yeah. Check it out. Cat5.tv slash mouse. Krista, great so cool. to see you. As well, ever. It's good to be back. There was you very know, little twice in a row. Today, which is I didn't have time. It's like you just you knew the insults were coming, so we just like so kept just going. Like, mm, <laughs> gotta look at egg timer. Yeah. That was an insult avoider right no. there. So, no, so many good insults fun. just wasted always now. Fun. Chat room, nice to see you. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly if you're watching but not available in the chat room, uh, say hi to us. Drop us an email live at category5.tv. We love hearing from you. We look forward to hearing from you. And don't forget to send in your postcards this week as well. Absolutely. See you next week. See you guys. Have a good one. Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.